HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State, and I am your host, Josh Raley. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I hope that your week is off to a great start. We are now in the second week of August, and I don't know about you, but that means it's that time of the summer when it feels like we're kind of on the downhill slide toward a lot of the things that we love to do as outdoorsmen and women here in Wisconsin. I feel almost like I'm coming out of uh, like some kind of weird reverse hibernation. Like I wander aimlessly during the summer without any of my favorite critters to really get after. I spend most of the month of June mourning the loss of turkey season. Uh, July is cool for velvet picks and evening glassing, but a lot of times it's just a tease as we know many of the bucks we see in the bean fields in the summer will be on a totally different pattern come the archery opener. But Once August hits, I feel like I've got the wind in my sails again, and I really start dialing things in for the fall because I know a bunch of my favorite things are a few short weeks away. Some of the best fishing of the year is coming up. Small game seasons will be opening up soon. The archery deer season is a little bit over a month away. And for all you waterfowlers, you don't have long before those early goose and teal seasons open up. And waterfowl hunting is what we're talking about today. We don't cover a bunch of that stuff here on this podcast as it's You know, it's not really something that I have ventured into just yet, but uh, the time is definitely coming, hoping to get out this fall for a little bit of goose hunting. But for today's show, I'm talking with a couple of the guys from the Wisconsin Waterfowl Association. If you're not familiar with them, they're a waterfowl conservation organization based right here in Wisconsin. They do a ton of great work like habitat improvement, education for new waterfowl hunters. They're really involved with legislation and the regulation side of things. They were instrumental in working toward the recent increase in the Wisconsin duck stamp price. And those dollars go straight to funding work that benefits not only waterfowl, but all kinds of other species that we love to chase. I had these guys on uh, back on episode number 13 of the show. And that was right after their very first Wisconsin Waterfowl Expo. We kind of gave a big picture view of what the Wisconsin Waterfowl Association actually is. But I wanted to have these guys on again this year to give a bit of a recap of the 2021 and 2022 waterfowl season, uh, a bit of a forecast for the season ahead, and to talk a little about the expo that's coming up. It's happening August 27th at the Sunnyview Expo Center in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. They've got a ton of great stuff going on there. And we discuss a lot of that in today's episode, so I won't get into it right now. But if you want to learn more, you can go to waterfowlhuntersexpo.com or you can check out the Wisconsin Waterfowl Association website, wisducks.org. Big thanks to our partners as we kick this show off today. Uh, you know, I've been loving my Tacticam gear. I recently picked up some of their lithium battery packs for my Reveal cell cameras. And man, these things are money. They are going to pay for themselves 
really, really quickly. I went to buy some lithium AA batteries on Amazon the other day and I almost had a heart attack. If you're not already using lithium batteries in your trail cameras, by the way, you should be. You'll get better performance out of your cameras. You'll get longer battery life. They're not gonna leak and ruin your camera. But those things are over $2.60 a piece. A 60 pack, which wouldn't even cover all of my cameras, was 158 bucks on Amazon right now. So I was like, that's not happening. I'm not paying that, that's ridiculous. So I went over to the Tacticam website, bought some of their lithium battery packs for $49.99. Now it would cost $32 a piece for each one of my cameras just to put AA batteries in those. So these lithium batteries, 50 bucks, and they're reusable. So basically if I use them twice, they've already paid for themselves. So grabbed a couple of those. I also got a couple of lock boxes for my cameras. If you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you know that last year I got a bunch of my cameras jacked with um, mostly people destroying them. I, they didn't just steal them. They just broke them. I don't, I don't know why, but uh, but they, they would always steal the SD card. So I got sick of that and I grabbed a couple of these lock boxes. They fit the cameras great. And hopefully it'll mean that I've got a few more SD cards hanging around this year and that uh, people can't just walk by and tear my camera up for no reason. But you can head over to their website, tacticam.com or revealcellcam.com to learn more about these battery packs, these lock boxes, and anything else you need to film your hunt, share your hunt, or scout effectively. Next, Deer Lab. I sound like a broken record at this point, but if you're not using Deer Lab to keep track of your trail cam photos, you really are missing out. I know some trail cam companies out there have their own tools, but uh, those have to be used with their camera typically. And I don't know anyone, honestly, that owns just one brand of, of trail camera. Deer Lab though can store images from any trail camera that uses an SD card. You can get a 30 day free trial right now to give it a shot. There's no credit card required for the free trial. So you have nothing to lose with this. And when you're ready to sign up for a plan, you can use the code WISCONSIN, all caps, for 20% off of any plan that you choose. Lastly, Huntworth. Right now, I'm dialing things in regarding my setup. Most of you know I'm a saddle hunter. Sometimes I single stick to get up the tree and go in super light and compact. Other times, I'm bringing in four sticks. I think Huntworth, though, has some of the best packs on the market uh, for saddle hunters. Uh, really, for any hunter, but man, especially for saddle hunters. I'll be using the Hickory. Uh, when I have a bit more to carry in and their Lodi pack when I'm trimming things down and, you know, trying not to bring a lot with me and single sticking. The Hickory is right at three pounds. The Lodi pack is just under two. These packs have tons of straps on the outside so you can carry in everything that you need to. They're built super, super well. I think they're going to be super durable. And man, the price point that these things are coming in at is tough to beat. I certainly don't think you can find a better pack in this price range. So head over to HuntworthGear.com to check out their packs and their full product line. Now, without further ado, here is my conversation with the guys from the Wisconsin Waterfowl Association. Joining me this week on the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is Bruce Ross and Todd Schaller from the Wisconsin Waterfowl Association. Welcome back to the show, guys. Hey, welcome, Josh. Glad to be glad, back. Very glad to be back. Yeah, glad to have you guys back on. You were on uh, back in October of 21. And for those of you who haven't caught that episode already, that was episode number 13. We did kind of an introduction to the Wisconsin Waterfowl Association. Uh, but for people who maybe didn't catch that one for the sake of this episode, why don't you two give us a quick introduction to yourselves and to your role specifically with the WWA? Sure, I'll start. Uh, I'm Bruce Ross. I'm the executive director, uh, professional staff of uh, Wisconsin Waterfowl Association. Been in this role for about uh, three years and, uh, you know, really excited to play a role with uh, Wisconsin Waterfowling. Um, Todd? Yeah, I'm uh, 
Todd Schaller. I'm a, a volunteer with Wisconsin Waterfall Association. Um, I'm on the board of directors. I'm the vice president, and I also help manage their uh, R3, so recruitment, retention, and reactivation element of, of Wisconsin Waterfall Association. Um, been with them about a year and a half, year and three quarters. Um, and prior to that, I was uh, worked in law enforcement at the Department of Natural Resources as a the chief conservation warden for the last six years. Um, and in retirement, this allows me to stay connected to conservation and conservation issues, which is uh, very near and dear to me. So, Yeah, that's great. How, how long has the Wisconsin Waterfowl Association been around? Yeah, so uh, this is WWA's 38th year. So back in wow. 1984, uh, we were incorporated as a uh, nonprofit organization, a 501c3, uh, to do really three things. Uh, we do we do habitat restoration uh, focused on wetlands uh, and the breeding habitat that's important to Wisconsin's waterfowl. Uh, Wisconsin is a breeding state, what's called a breeding state in the flyway. So we are contributing ducks to, to the flyway that are hunted and harvested uh, up and down the flyway. Uh, and, and in fact, most of the ducks that are harvested by Wisconsin's waterfowlers are, are born here in, in Wisconsin. So, so habitat and particularly wetland restoration is, is very important part of our mission. Uh, we also do, uh, education in the, in the way I look at this and Todd is, is helping drive this, uh, from a board of directors perspective, but the way I look at this is, uh, there's an arc of waterfowling. So from uh, when you first come aboard as a brand new or a wannabe waterfowler, maybe you want to pull the trigger, you want to harvest a bunch of ducks. Um, and then, you know, as you progress, it's, it becomes more about social engagement. Uh, and maybe you want to uh, harvest different types of ducks. Uh, you want to have different experiences out in the, uh, in the field. And then, then you kind of transition as you get a little more seasons, on, more seasons under your belt. Uh, you, you transition to, okay, now how do I keep this thing going? What's the, the ecology associated with this thing that it brings me so much joy? And then maybe in, in your, um, your sunset years or earlier for some, it becomes how do, I, how do I pay this forward? How do I make sure this thing that has been important in my life uh, is, is around for the next generation so it can be important in their lives? And so I call that the Waterfellers Arc. And uh, the... Um, WWA helps each waterfowl along each part of that, that, uh, arc, you know, from how do you get into waterfowling to how do you pay it back? And, and so from our, our education, uh, uh, articles to, uh, our learn to hunt to our, uh, you know, our, our community events, it's, that's all part of that education mission. So that's the second mission. And the, and the third mission would be advocacy. You know, how do we make sure that policymakers and regulators are considering the voice of the, the Wisconsin waterfowler in making their decisions, whether we're talking about wetlands regulations or we're talking about uh, harvest numbers or, or season lengths or periods. And so, so those three areas are where we focus. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's an exciting time to be part of WWA. Yeah, that, that, that's great. Tell me a bit about what makes you guys unique from like, let's say a Ducks Unlimited or something like that. Cause you, you guys have, have some, some, uh, a bit of a focus that's a little bit uh, unique in the space. And I want to make sure people kind of understand what sort of sets you guys apart. 
Sure. I'll start with that. And, and Todd, you, you feel free to chime in. Um, we are a hunting organization, right? So we are comprised of, in fact, our early name was the Wisconsin Water Fowlers Association. Uh, that got changed uh, early on to be a little bit more inclusive, but uh, we are a hunting organization. We are proud of, of uh, being a hunting organization. Uh, and we represent the waterfowlers of the state in those advocacy issues and in those education issues. Uh, other organizations, uh, Ducks Unlimited, I love Ducks Unlimited. I'm a, I'm a, uh, a sponsor, a major life sponsor uh, for Ducks Unlimited, uh, but they are less uh, hunting advocates. So here in the state, we focus all of the money we raise stays right here in, in the state of Wisconsin, and uh, we advocate for hunter issues. Uh, with the DNR, with uh, policymakers at the Capitol. Todd, other things to add to that? Yeah, I would just add, and it's partially, and, and the reason why I, I, you know, decided to come to WWA and for, you know put my volunteer time towards that is, um, and as Bruce said, Delta, DU, they do great work at a at a very big level. You know, those are big uh, organizations um, on a national scale. But for me, it's it's WWA's commitment to, to Wisconsin waterfowling. And, you know, the, the work that they do that is related to habitat in Wisconsin. The education we do is related to, you know, Wisconsin. The advocacy is very specific to Wisconsin. So that, that to me is kind of a separating element of it. We're not as, we're not as big, don't have as many members. We don't have the, the, the purse, um, and wallet sizes that a couple of those other organizations have, but we do make a difference in Wisconsin and, uh, we have, we're impactful in Wisconsin. And, and to me, that's a kind of really def separates us from the other organizations. And I'm members of both of them and, and proud members of them. It's just, I, I like to put my time into something I know is very specific to Wisconsin. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, being closer to home too, I'm sure WWA can provide a lot more of those uh, hands-on opportunities. It's a lot more accessible for the local guy right here in Wisconsin who says, hey, I want to make a difference right down the road. Yeah, no, Josh, you make a great point. One of the things that we pride ourselves on is trying to create those opportunities for uh, waterfowlers uh, in the off season to make, get their fingernails dirty out in the marsh and, and, uh, uh, whether it's clearing invasives or uh, uh, building handicap accessible blinds for those who uh, may not be as mobile uh, to uh, you know, putting on learn to hunts in, in their local area. Uh, we're, because we're smaller than those other national or international organizations, we, we maybe are more nimble in, in finding opportunities for volunteers who want to make a difference like Todd uh, to, to, uh, to do just that. And if you have a skill set, I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of the idea that, that we do that. So we have uh, waterfowlers who are GIS experts, uh, geographic information system experts and digital technology for mapping. Uh, and we, WWA, had a need for that skill set. We didn't have the money to buy it, but uh, somebody volunteered it and is working with our habitat ecologist to, to build the sort of applications that are necessary to, to facilitate his work in the field. We, we can we can absorb that sort of energy and talent in ways that maybe larger bureaucracies cannot. Yeah, yeah. All right, so one question that hit me earlier that 
I knew I had to ask you guys. I was out hanging a couple of trail cameras, getting stuff set up. And I know this time of year, I love to drive in glass fields. I love to do some summer scouting. Uh, I know folks who love to fish, they're out there targeting whatever it is that they're after. What in the world does summertime look like for a waterfowler? Like, I, have no, I have no context for this. Like, what do, you, what do you do during the summer as somebody who likes to chase ducks and geese around? I'll, I'll go first. I, uh, I, I go for drives, and I, I go by wetlands that I either have access to, public wetlands, or I you know, have some private land. I, I look at those wetlands. So early in the spring, I look to see what birds are migrating through there. And now when I go by, I look to see what birds were raised there. And uh, so that to me is something I do. I, I think, and I would encourage just of all waterfowlers, and I, I do it. It's a great time to work on ID, identifying birds. Um, so as I drive around and, and drive by the lake or the river or a wetland, I see birds drives my wife nuts i usually stop and grab the binoculars and you know take a look at what's out there um and and, and ideas and uh so that's that's what i do plus i'm you know i'm getting the boat ready um working on decoys go to the sporting play place and shoot some sporting plays um so even though it's a 60 day season or 109 if you're a goose hunter it's it really is 365 for me personally just because i'm I'm crazy about it and passionate about it. Yeah, I, I've got a buddy who um, who took up waterfowl hunting last year. In fact, he is on the episode of the podcast that just dropped today, and uh, he got a duck boat this year, and he's spent a ton of time working on that. You walk into his garage, it's full of decoys, and I'm like, dude, you you have accumulated all this in a matter of months. He's like, he's like, man, it's a rabbit hole. I'm stuck down it. Like I'm I'm way down. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can relate to that, Josh. Uh, the If you walked out in my garage right now, you'd see uh, I, I, at one point in time, maybe five, seven years ago, built a, uh, a duck skiff, uh, you know, wooden boat, fiberglass it, and I'm rebuilding the blind on top of it. I found some great blind material. So when I, when I need five or 10 or 15 minutes worth of break from whatever I'm doing, I'm going out there and I'm, and I'm zip tying this, this material to my uh, newly created blind. And, and I too also bought uh, a new boat. So that's getting outfitted. So that keeps you busy restringing decoys, uh, and, and cleaning them up. I mean, as, as Todd said, it's uh, it's year round, but if, if you're a, a volunteer for WWA, uh, that waterfowling, in the in the uh, spring and summer might be well at least spring would be um, uh, early spring maybe late winter would be uh, putting up wood duck boxes and uh, then you know later in the year maybe now taking a look at what the hatch looked like you know and, and going and cleaning out those duck boxes and finding out what what went on in uh, during the breeding season so um, might be invasive uh, management, you know, taking down buckthorn and that's encroaching on, on uh, wetlands or uh, the, uh, the breeding areas for, for ducks on private or public lands. So there's a lot of things to do. Uh, but if you're, if you're hard bit like Todd and I are in, in this sport, then yeah, you, there's, there's plenty to keep you busy and thinking about that uh, fall season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to go back and kind of talk a little bit about the 2021-2022 season. Last time we talked, it was kind of like, okay, how's this year shaping up for you? And so I'm wondering if you can speak to maybe on a statewide level, 
uh, what guys were seeing this past year, and then personally, maybe how did each of you do? Yeah, I, I think on a on a statewide level, it was a a fairly average year, but that's averaged across the state. Um, the you know, in my particular area, I had a particular I had a hard season. You know, where I generally hunt. Uh, it seems like the Mississippi had a great year, but uh, if you were inland on lakes, maybe uh, the, the ducks uh, jumped over you and, and stayed in the southern part of the state where they also had a good season. Uh, but uh, north froze up relatively uh, early, and the, the Wisconsin's broken into, uh, at least the, the state is broken into, uh, two zones and a third offshore zone uh, where they have different season start and end dates. So in the north, uh, they start a week earlier, uh, but they froze up uh, almost a month early this year. And so the birds move on when that when that happens. Uh, I I hunt the northern part of the the southern zone, and uh, as I said, the birds kind of missed me. And I had a tough season, but the southern part of the state had a good one. Mississippi had a good one. And Todd, uh, uh, maybe you can talk about that third zone, the uh, the uh, uh, open water zone. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you know, to Bruce's point, it and it's every year. It, it, there's just so many variables that factor into you know what makes an individual's season successful from a harvest perspective. Water level obviously is one of them, so that's an impact. Um, but I'm a, I'm a big water guy. I hunt the, the Bay of Green Bay. Um, so, you know, that always has water, thankfully. Um, and the season out there, I think, was, you know, probably average or above average. And uh, the birds were there. Um, and the hunters were there. And I think generally they, they did very well um, in that, that, that new zone. It was, an, it was a new zone for Wisconsin. It was newly created. So actually it was the first year of it. Um, so I think we saw a little bit of a, an uptick or an in, increase in the number of hunters um, changing styles or going to that big water, open water, diver type, sea duck type hunting. Um, but I would say that was generally um, uh, a, good, a good area for, for hunting. Personally, I, I hunt there. I also hunt uh, down in south central Wisconsin. The teal season early on was amazing for me. Um, and my hunting partner, um, but the regular season down in that area, similar to Bruce, it, it, it was probably below average. Well, three parts of the WWA mission, habitat restoration, education, and advocacy. Uh, what is new on these fronts since the last time that we spoke? Todd, why don't you start with, uh, education and R3? Sure. No, I, I think uh, one of the things that's new, or at least we're, we're trying to have a bigger impact um, as an organization, is we're, we're trying to have a bigger impact in the, the R3 world, which, I, as I mentioned earlier, is about recruiting, retaining, and reactivating waterfall hunters. Um, so WWA has, has been doing some of that work for a very long time, and we've had um, a couple very, or, or one very uh, active and long-lasting uh, Things 13 or 14 years learn to hunt program up in the Green Bay area, but we, we just want to we want to uh, expand that footprint of that and, and get more involved in developing mentors and, and developing learn to hunt programs that that create the opportunity to introduce um, new hunters to to waterfalling. And uh, so we're 
I've taken on that role um, with WWA. Um, we've tried to work with some of our sponsors to to have a bigger place and a bigger footprint in the, the recruitment, reactivation, and uh, retention of, of waterfall hunters. So that's one area that I've been involved with, and and we continue to educate through the newsletter. Um, you know, we have a, a, a good following in the newsletter, and we we try to find topics that uh, spark people's interest and get them to to click on the button and click on the link to read the article. So we're, we're trying to ramp up our educational aspects also. Yeah. And, and on the advocacy front, uh, last time we talked, Josh, we, we uh, talked about uh, the recent passage of the increase in the waterfowl stamp for that every duck hunter must buy. Uh, it had, it had uh, atrophied in its uh, value uh, as a result of inflation in the 20, almost 23 years since it had been uh, uh, increased last. So that made it through the legislature was signed by the governor. And in fact, this past fall, each waterfowler had to pay uh, uh, seven more dollars to, um, to, to waterfowl hunt. And, and that money goes directly into habitat work. So it, it goes to the future of the sport, right? So, uh, maybe it'll make for a better season next year or years from now uh, than, than, than uh, my experience uh, this past year. Uh, but uh, looking ahead, what we're working on now, uh, a couple things really. Uh, one is just trying to make sure that outdoors men and women have a bigger voice in issues that, that uh, confront them at the state level. So uh, we're looking to have a... Uh, to put on a policy forum to just to get those hook and bullet groups together and say, what are you working on? What are your priorities? And trying to make sure that we can, we can be uh, both sympathetic and, uh, uh, you know, supportive of, of those initiatives. You know, uh, we hang together or we hang apart. Right. So, uh, so, so we're doing that. One of those issues at the federal level is, uh, although we don't think it's going anywhere this session, there's been a uh, bill introduced to, to, uh, to set back to, uh, to overturn the Pittman Robertson uh, act, which takes uh, excise tax on everything that, that uh, hunters uh, essentially buy to, to go right back into habitat. That is uh, the largest funding engine uh, for conservation work in, in uh, the country. Uh, and, and if it disappears, then, you know, outdoors people will suffer, hunters and, and, and anglers will suffer. Uh, and, and it takes away some credibility. I mean, one of the things I take pride in is that my purchases, my efforts, uh, that I'm helping underwrite the, the, the conservation of this country. And, and I, I am pleased to pay those, those taxes and making sure that they're turned around into habitat and other uh, initiatives that are important to the future of hunting. So, so that's something we're uh, working on writing to our uh, state legislature, state legislators to, uh, to make sure that they uh, recognize our perspective. Um, we're still, uh, last time we were on the show, we talked about uh, Sandhill Crane Hunt, and uh, that uh, did not get through the legislature. It became uh, very politicized uh, from a capital P Republican versus Democrat uh, perspective. 
uh, and uh, it just didn't have the legs to, to go anywhere, so it, it was not taken up uh, strongly in either the Assembly or the Senate, although uh, the Senate did have a hearing on it and passed it through with at least the committee. Uh, so if that comes up again, uh, we will be advocating for uh, you know making sure that it's based on the decisions are based on the science and the population numbers and, and uh, scientific management of wildlife species uh, as opposed to the uh, other either political or emotional reasons that might people might have. Uh, Todd, anything else in advocacy? Um, no, I think, I think you hit on it. Um, I think we're covered there. So maybe you want to jump into some of the habitat stuff. Yeah, so uh, really neat time for, for WWA and having a larger uh, impact. We're working with the DNR now to, to negotiate a position that is in part funded by that Pittman-Robertson uh, money that uh, I talked about earlier and also in part funded by the uh, Wisconsin Waterfowl Association and maybe by the uh, Waterfowl Hunters Expo that uh, we'll talk about probably in a little bit. So uh, this would be a position that's focused on uh, public lands uh, that, that really needs some attention, wetland restoration or uh, improving the hydrology associated with lands that the DNR owns. Uh, they don't have uh, the capacity or necessarily the expertise to do what, what we WWA can bring to the table. So we're excited about uh, where that can go. Uh, you have to have a, a, a plan and design in order to, to use some of those duck stamp monies for those projects. And so uh, we're, we're looking forward to being a, a significant part of that. Uh, and, and that's our, our biggest initiative, I would say, in the wetland habitat restoration world. Yeah, that's great. There was a, uh, a a public land spot close to me where they did some work to restore an area this past year, and uh, in, including uh, installing drain pipes, I guess, that work remotely. And, uh, man, it's phenomenal what they accomplished in a year. Uh, from the time the work started till till now, it's like, wow, this place, I mean, it just took off. Yeah, if you can control water levels on wetlands uh, through uh, culverts, through uh, water control structures uh, that act as little dams, uh, that you can take boards out and let more water out and allow the, uh, the, the plant life to, to thrive that ducks like, uh, and then put water back in in the fall when the ducks will want the, the water to, to rest and, and feed in, uh, you can do some amazing things. But there's, there's millions of acres of wetlands in, in Wisconsin. Uh, we started off before statehood with about 10 million acres of wetlands uh, through uh, development and, and cultivation and civilization of the state. Uh, we've lost about half of them. So we've got wow. 5 million acres wow. of, of wetlands still in Wisconsin, uh, and they are in various conditions of, of uh, prime to degraded. And so uh, we want to help the DNR uh, find those degraded ones, develop the plans necessary to, to restore them, and put that wet back in the land. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. Their gear is made for outdoorsmen by outdoorsmen. 
Archery openers are just around the corner and Tacticam has just released several new products to help you share your hunt and take your scouting to the next level. Topping the list is their 6.0 point of view camera providing 4K footage and a user-friendly waterproof package. They've also just released the new Solo Extreme giving you HD footage, 3 to 8X zoom, and one-touch operation. And Tacticam's lineup of point-of-view cameras is supported by the best mounts and adapters on the market. This fall, I'll be using their bow stabilizer mount as well as their bendy clamp mount to make sure my cameras don't miss any of the action. And last but not least, Tacticam just launched the Reveal X Pro. With no visible flash, built-in LCD screen, and built-in GPS tracking, the Reveal X Pro will help you take your scouting to the next level. You can learn more about these and Tacticam's entire line of products at Tacticam.com or RevealCellCam.com. This episode is also brought to you by DeerLab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. DeerLab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data. DeerLab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them, deer, turkeys, people, whatever. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target. And you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you occasionally forget to set the correct time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com to check them out. You can get a free trial on there for 30 days. And then when you're ready to buy, use the code Wisconsin at checkout for 20% off of any plan. Now let's get back to the show. So you mentioned that um, some of these projects would be partially funded potentially uh, by the expo that is coming up here in August. And last time we recorded, uh, we, I, I caught you guys like a month or so after the first one that you did. Uh, so bad timing on my part, but I was glad to get to connect with you anyway. Uh, tell me a bit about that event and uh, maybe with the inception of it last year, that was your first one, right? So, Correct. so tell me about, you know, what were you hoping to accomplish? And then, you know, what was the response like? Yeah. So, uh, I'm the steering committee chairperson for this team that assembled, uh, really two and a half years ago to, to put on this waterfowl hunters expo. Todd is our volunteer, volunteer chairman. So he volunteers to, to, to manage the volunteers, uh, at the expo. Uh, and, and the first one, as you, as you mentioned, was last year, the end of the summer, right before uh, people start getting geeked out about uh, the upcoming teal and goose and, and uh, regular seasons. Uh, it was a phenomenal success. We, had, we were expecting maybe 1,000 people to attend our first year. Uh, we had closer to 3,000 uh, and wow. maybe 100, 150 dogs, maybe 300 kids. Uh, and, and, uh, all the vendors that came to it to sell their wares left with a smile. We put on, uh, seminars, uh, everything from what we've been talking about, wetland restoration, managing your own wetland to, uh, uh how to call better, uh, to how to, uh, have a more enjoyable experience with your dog on a duck hunt. And so there was, uh, all sorts of activities, uh, for, for kids and adults, uh, and this year it's only bigger and better. So we've got one month to go. It's August 27th at uh, Sunnyview Expo Center in Oshkosh. Uh, we have a website, uh, waterfowlhuntersexpo.com, uh, where you can learn all about it. You can buy some advanced tickets if you want and uh, plan your day to come. Because if you come at when we open at 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, and you stay till five o'clock when we close that Saturday, uh, you won't, 
you won't be bored. Uh, there's something going on really every minute of, of that time frame. Uh, and this year we have some, some additions. We have more vendors coming. That seemed to be something that uh, our, our attendees want. They have money in their pocket. They want to buy some of those decoys that your buddy went down a dark hole uh, to, <laughs> to buy. And, or they, you know, the latest year, uh, they get a chance to try the newest shotguns uh, at a, at a, um, uh, with some clay throwing. Uh, at, at the expo, uh, where you can bring your dog and they can run in retriever races. They don't have to be, uh, you know, specially trained. It's, it's all about the fastest dog and, and we're giving all the money away for the entry fees. You know, it costs you a few bucks to get into it, but we're giving all that money away to the top two. Uh, we have this year for the first time, the, uh, the state and really it's a national decoy carving contest and exhibition. So if this is, if, if you haven't seen some of these decoys, they're not like rough wooden blocks they are spectacular pieces of art and uh, we're getting them from all around the country to come to uh, this particular competition and those will be available for uh, for walking through and admiring uh, we've got the state calling contest uh, that that uh, will bring together the greatest uh, uh, waterfowl callers duck and goose in the state uh, we've got calling clinics how to blow a duck call better uh, that's that's new this year. Uh, and I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of stuff because there's just so much stuff going on. Uh, Todd, maybe you can remember some of the things I'm forgetting. No, I, I think you, you hit on it, uh, you know, the biggest bulk of it. But to me, I think the neat part about the expo, and we, we, we leaned into it on the, the first one, and I think we're leaning into it more even on the second one, is it really it doesn't matter if you're a gray-haired waterfall veteran who's, you know, or no hair or no, or no hair, <laughs> uh, um, waterfall veteran who's, you know, been there, done it and, and experienced all parts of it. Or if you're, if you're brand new or even just thinking about going, you know, try waterfalling, the expo really has it all for everybody. You know, I, when I met with some folks, um, from Vortex the other day who, uh, want to learn about waterfall hunting and, and I encourage them all to come to the expo because they can, they can sit through a seminar to, to work on their waterfall ID. They can go to a seminar to, you know, learn how to be a, a caller, you know, or a better caller. They can look at all the, the wares and the, the equipment that's out there available for them. If they want to start in, investing and going chasing down that rabbit hole we've been talking about, um, they can, you know, learn about dog training if they have a dog. So it, it's a really neat experience, and it, it doesn't matter where you are or what phase you are in life as a waterfall hunter or where you are on that arc. Um, there's something there for you, and uh, I think that's why it was successful, you know, in, in 2021, and I think that's why it's probably going to be successful and grow in 2022. Yeah, it sounds like it makes for a for a full day, and I'll, I'll make sure to – uh, get that website again from you guys before we get off so that I can put that in the show notes so that people can find out more, uh, more about that. So with an event, and Josh, just, yeah, just, just, just to interrupt for a second, uh, you know, it's, it's not just for waterfowlers, it's for waterfowlers family too. Right. So we have a yeah. youth zone that, that, uh, you know, come and your kid will learn a little bit about, uh, uh, decoy placement or get a chance to build a duck call or, uh, you know, pet a duck 
Uh, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, we've had archery range, a pellet range, uh, we think, uh, and some other activities that uh, really it's, it's, we did not want to exclude, we do not want to exclude the families of waterfowlers, be they male or female, uh, from this event. It, it should be a fun full day event. We'll have chow there, uh, you know, food trucks and uh, uh, grilling out. And yeah, you, you can, you can, it's cheap uh, at $10 a person. And uh, I think $8 if you're a, a former military or or a first responder, free if you're a kid under 16. So we're trying wow. to make it uh, accessible uh, and fun for the entire family. Yeah, man, that that is that is fantastic. So if you're a guy with your kids, want to get them out of the house on a on a Saturday, and uh, for ten bucks, you and your however many can go have a good time. Yeah, say if you had three kids under the age of nine. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you're, you're talking directly to me. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. I, I've got to think that with an event this size um, and with the, with the success you had last year and planning for this year, you, you probably learned a lot from that first one. Is there anything that you learned last year that has made you guys to make some tweaks or caused you guys to make some tweaks in the planning and, and how you're going to go about it this year? Yeah. I, um, good, great question. Uh <laughs> Yeah, we were very weather dependent last year, and the day of we were uh, blessed with really good weather. But the night before, it rained five inches. Oh wow! So all of those those areas, those vendors that we had outside or were going to have outside, uh, found themselves uh, challenged to get through some of the the grassier areas. Uh, and so the the nice thing about this venue is that they have. I'm going to call them barns because they do, but they are really nice indoor facilities. So we've rented those facilities out um, as well as the main hall, which we rented out last year. Uh, And so virtually all of the stuff that we can do indoors is being done indoors. Now we are uh, rain or shine. You're going to come and have a good time, be able to do just about everything that we have planned. So that would be one tweak. Um, And and the other I I would say is um, we were, financially successful last year, meaning we could do it again this year, but we could also uh, devote some of the proceeds to things that are important to uh, Wisconsin waterfowler. So we had a discussion on the steering committee last night about uh, if we have extra money left over uh, and we don't need it for next year, then uh, we're going to do a couple of things with it. And and one is to put it into habitat. We talked about uh, hiring this uh, public wetland ecologist uh, to help uh, the DNR on uh, wetlands that all of us can hunt. Uh, that's going to be partially funded by the expo. Uh, we're going to, to fund science projects that are important to the DNR or uh, uh, researchers at UW Stevens Point uh, to be able to, to push those programs farther forward faster. So uh this is not about lining somebody's pockets with money. It's about really helping the, uh, the, the constituency of Wisconsin's waterfowlers, uh, you know, in every way that we can, we can bring that community together and help it in the future. Yeah. I, I really like that. And I, I hope that people who are listening at this point are kind of getting excited about conservation in the state of Wisconsin. And I hope that they're wondering, Hey, can I contribute to this? Even if I can't make it to the expo, is there a way for people to do that? 
Well, sure. Uh, um, you know, we, we, we have a website, but we don't actually have a space for donations. That's maybe, an, maybe that's a tweak we need to make. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but certainly, uh, the, the expo is being run under WWA's uh, 501c3 nonprofit umbrella. Uh, and so if you go to wisducks.org uh, and become a member of Wisconsin Waterfowl, that will be one way to contribute. Uh, and you get plugged into that monthly newsletter that, that Todd was telling you about that, that is all things state waterfowling. Uh, and you can make donations there if you if you uh, want to make a, a bigger impression. Then then certainly that's an opportunity too. But uh, what what we're more than money. What we're looking for is participation, both in the expo and with uh, with ducks uh, with WWA. Uh, you know, we are trying to. We we're about uh, seven thousand members strong. The the waterfowling community in Wisconsin is about. 65 to 68,000. So we're scratching wow. a little bit more wow. than 10% of, of that, that community. Yet we are trying to be the voice uh, and represent the interests of that entire community. Uh, and the more members we have, the greater credibility we have. Uh, but even more importantly, the more voices we hear about what's important to, to them in their waterfowling pursuits. Yeah, very good. Very good. Well, I want to pivot one more time and I want to start to look forward to to this season. I mean, right now, it's the middle of July. It feels like fall is is never going to get here. It's 100,000 degrees outside. At least it, it has felt that way uh, as of late. Um, I want to talk about the upcoming year. Uh, are there are there any big changes? And I, and I know I could go to the DNR website and find all of this, but I want to ask you guys: Are there any big changes that hunters should be aware of this year that you know is kind of on your radar? Todd, you want to take that? Yeah, from a from a regulatory perspective, there there are no major changes. There was probably the only change or tweak was to that new zone, um, the big water open water zone that we we talked a little bit about earlier. So that there's some um, changes there as far as the uh, bluebill season or the scop season. Um, last year, it's when the season started, it was uh, one duck and then, or one bluebill. And then later in the year, it switched to that, that kind of flip flop. So that's something um, those people who want that zone to take a look at. And then uh, again, based on hunter feedback, um, the department made some adjustments to uh the, the footprint of that zone and how it impacted shoreline hunters and those who hunt um, off some of the islands up on Green Bay. So that really was the, I think, the only change. Um, Season-wise, bag limit-wise, species-wise, that everything other than what I just explained stayed the same. Okay. What? Uh... Yeah, and in terms of duck numbers, uh, I, I think we can probably expect uh, a few more ducks in the skies this year. Uh, Canadian drought conditions of last year have been uh, uh, turned around. Uh, so the ducks that migrate into Wisconsin and, and get harvested in Wisconsin, we should see more of them. And Wisconsin itself uh, was approaching drought throughout much of the state and uh, with a wet spring, the breeding conditions are improved, and uh, the the counts from the DNR uh, as they they make their aerial surveys 
are, are generally better than they were last year. So uh, I, I think we can look forward to a good season. Excellent. Excellent. Either of you guys have big plans for uh, any special trips, anything out of state or anything like that for the upcoming year? Yeah, I'll be, I'll be traveling out of state. I typically either go to Canada or North Dakota. Um, just with the continued uncertainty of getting in and out of Canada and all of that, I'm going to skip that one more year and, and enjoy hunting with my, uh, my friend who lives out in North Dakota. Um, that's on the personal scale for me. And I also got some uh, new hunters and been talking to them. So I'm excited to maybe expose some, some new hunters to waterfalling and hopefully they, they get bit by the same bug I got. Very good. What about you, Bruce? Yeah, yeah I, I, uh, I will usually do an annual trip to either North Dakota or Canada. Uh, last year it was to Missouri when uh, we harvested a lot of ducks and, and had a lot of fun in the, in the process of calling to them and, and decoying them. So I'll probably head back down to Missouri after the Wisconsin season is closed. Nice. Nice. I, uh, I had, a, I was talking with a guy the other day and they do a duck camp in, in Maine. <clears throat> and he was just like, Hey, you should, you should come out to Maine this year. I know nothing about Maine. I know very little about waterfowl hunting. Uh, so that may be on my radar this year. We'll, we'll see how that goes. I've never, never even been to the state. So, uh, yeah, who, who knows what, uh, what that's going to end up looking like. Well, uh, guys, anything else that you want to leave the listener with that we didn't get to or haven't covered? I think we've done a pretty good job of uh, going around the horn on the things that uh, your listeners will be uh, interested in. And, and uh, I, you know, we hope that uh, they'll be excited enough to, to consider coming to the expo, uh, to consider joining Wisconsin Waterfowl Association and, and maybe even volunteering with uh, WWA to you know, make that future waterfowling brighter. Very good. And that, that expo again, August 27th in Oshkosh at the, what was it called? Uh, the Sunnyview Expo Center. So it's the, it's the county fairgrounds more or less. Okay, good deal. Good deal. Well, if folks want to find out more about the WWA, they want to sign up, where are you guys going to point them? Well, if, they, if they're interested in uh, uh, Wisconsin Waterfowl Association, it's WISDUCKS, W-I-S, D-U-C-K-S dot org. If they're interested in the Waterfowl Hunters Expo, uh, then it's waterfowlhuntersexpo.com. And, and uh, if you go to Wistucks, you can link to it links to the expo. Uh, but yeah, just look up Wistucks and you'll find it. Good deal. Well, I'll make sure to put both of those websites in the show notes for this episode so that folks can find that. Uh, guys, thanks again for your time. I appreciate you making it, uh, making an effort to come on the show again. And uh, yeah, look forward to the next time that we talk. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, Josh, thanks for having us.